It's that time. Welcome to the Time to Man Up podcast. And here's your host, Sean Hess. What's up, guys? It is great to have you for another episode of the Time to Man Up podcast. Uh, Today, if you are able to watch and you're not just listening to it, uh, I'm going old school. I'm breaking out the old school man up shirt. And uh, I figure because I'm going to talk a little bit about some UFC in this episode that it was best to go old school. And so, guys, again, welcome to the podcast. Uh, We hope that you're telling your friends about this. Uh, We just love being able to bring the word of God to you and also talk about issues in our country, issues in our churches that we as men need to be present in, that we need to be relevant in. And so uh, I'm so excited to be able to have you as part of it. Thanks for joining us. Make sure that you take the time to subscribe, follow, uh, share it with your friends. And guys, go to www.time2manup.com. Check out our curriculum we've got available there. It's called Man Up, Discovering the Man God Desires You to Be. Uh, We want to get that into churches. We want to get men's group doing that. And even in uh, the study, we kind of set up a a way that is good to just, uh, if you're struggling with your men's ministries at your church, uh, it kind of lays out what should that hour to hour and a half that you have those men, what should it look like? Because for a lot of people, they don't even know how to uh, put a program together. And we are trying to help men's groups put it together because, in all honesty, uh, ladies' ministries often thrive in the church while men's ministries struggle. And I feel that we, uh, in Man Up, found some success in what worked. And part of that was by learning what didn't work. So that being said, guys, check us out uh, and and make sure to, again, click the share, whatever you can do to to get the word out there. But like I said, I'm a big UFC fan. I I mean, I have wanted ESPN Plus for a long, long time, but I was too cheap to pay for it. But recently, I was able to get a good deal, and uh, now I have... um, Stuff that I don't even want, but I've got ESPN Plus. And it has all the UFC events. And often it has like the pay-per-views like a week or so later. You can see it on there. And I just love to be able to watch that. I mean, I am going back. They have something called the Contender Series where they bring on guys that don't have UFC contracts. And they let them fight. And then Dana White, the head of UFC, decides who he's going to give a contract to. And I have gone all the way back to the beginning of that show and started watching them. And uh, it's been very interesting. I get to fast forward a lot of it. Uh, I'm just in it to watch the fights. Uh, But when I think about um, two men battling it out in an octagon, I feel that in the midst of that battle, as, as a person watching it, I know quite quickly who has it and who doesn't. Now, sometimes someone will get lucky with a shot and they'll knock a guy out or they'll get him in a submission hold. But usually it's pretty clear who is going to win the fight. But I love a good finish. 
whether it's a submission or whether it's a knockout. I love ending it in a big way. I probably prefer the knockouts because they're pretty impressive, but it got me thinking. And again, clearly I don't know biblically uh, whether this would happen or not, but I wondered if Peter would have been a good UFC fighter. I wonder if Peter was around in our day, if he would have been that guy. I mean, right. He's chopping off ears. He's standing firm. He's protecting all the other disciples. He's protecting Jesus. Uh, and it just feels like if there was any disciple that would have been a good UFC fighter, it would have been Peter. I mean, something tells me he would have been a pretty good fighter. But in my daily reading, I've been working through the book of Romans and spending some time in that, trying to digest it. And uh, man, God has really used this, this book uh, to really speak to me. And of course, the author of Romans is Paul. And I have this idea that Paul might have been a pretty good UFC fighter too, or maybe he would have just written about it. But uh, if you remember, there's a time when Paul is dragged out of Lystra and, and he's stoned. I mean, the crowd is going crazy. They stone him with rocks, not drugs, but they stone him and they leave him there thinking he's dead. The disciples help him up, get him taken care of, and he goes back into the city to finish the work that God has for him. I mean, that's UFC material, right? That's the guy that's down there and he's getting tapped out and he refuses to tap out and he might even pass out because of it, but he is not going to surrender no matter what. Paul was that kind of guy. And so even though I am very familiar with Romans, God has really been using it to speak to me. I am grateful for Paul's willingness to be transparent. I mean, very transparent, right? There are some people and they will tell you stories and they're not transparent. They don't share truth. They make their life look like everything is great. And I'm just going to tell you men and even women, if you're listening to this, too many people in the church try to act like they've got all their junk together. They try to act like they've got all their junk together, that life is great, the dog, the cat, the kids, everything is wonderful. While on the inside, the world is falling apart. Why is it that so many people in the church feel they can't be real with people? Are they afraid that because of the history of the church, we cut those off who are struggling? I mean, my goodness, uh, there are some churches that if you mention sin that you're struggling with, they instantly go to church discipline. And what we should really call it is church restoration because we're trying to get people right with God. It doesn't have anything to do with the church. It's, it's we're trying to get people right with God. But why is it that we can't be honest with our struggles? We're often not honest in our marriage about our struggles. We're not honest with our kids. I love being able to talk to my kids about my struggles because I don't want them to think that they're the only ones that have those problems. And so when Paul, the spiritual giant, is talking about struggles, I'm listening to him. I love that Paul is willing to share 
the challenges of life. I mean, he he's sharing battles, and we need to understand, men, you are not alone. That the battles that you faced are the battles that men have always faced and continue to face. And here is the battle that Paul talks about. The battle, men, is a battle between the mind and the flesh. There is a battle between the mind and the flesh. And he often talks about the fact that, and, and you know this to be true, guys, we know the right thing to do. We know if given two options, three options, four options, whatever, we know the right thing to do. When you turn on your TV, you know the right things to watch and the wrong things to watch. When you are talking around the water cooler men, you know the right things to say and you know the wrong things to say. It is sad to hear some of the talk when a group of guys gets together. And if ladies, if you're listening to this, ladies get together and a lot of times it's driven by gossip. But men, when you get together, sometimes inappropriate things are said. And when I read the book of James, it says fresh water and bitter water does not flow from the same fountain. Well, why is it that I say those inappropriate things? It's because there's a battle between the mind that knows I shouldn't say it and the flesh that wants to be liked by the guys that wants the guys to laugh. And so I say those things. So this battle between mind and flesh is real, and it's something that we have to understand. And so I want to share some things that I've learned from the book of Romans from chapter 7 and chapter 8 of Romans, where Paul talks honestly about this battle. In chapter 7, verse 15, he says, for I do not understand my own actions. Guys, have you ever been there before? Because again, Paul is speaking honestly, and I love it. He's saying, guys, I don't understand my own actions. He says, sometimes I do not do what I want to do, but I do the very thing I hate. I mean, guys, there are so many areas in life, whether it's things you watch, whether it's things you listen to, whether it's things you say, that we could come down to this. I don't know why I said that. I don't know why I watched that. I don't know why I listen to this or say these things, whatever it is. Why is it that I do the very things that I hate to do? Because we go into them with a mindset of saying, I'm not going to do this. And then the minute you do it, I mean, right. It's like Peter denying Christ three times. And, and he's like, I would never do that first time. Oh man. Second time. Oh man. Third time brokenness. I mean, Peter would totally agree with Paul, right? I don't understand my own actions. Why did I do the very thing that I hate? Denying Jesus. Instead of doing what I wanted to do, stand up for him. Profess him. I mean, have you ever found yourself there, guys? Where you don't understand your own actions? It is easy not to understand the actions of other people, but Paul does not even understand his own actions. 
when he doesn't do what he wants to do, but he does the very thing he hates, he says, that doesn't even make sense to me. And men, it's the same way for us. There are times when I can have a great time in the word of God, or I can leave church after a wonderful time and somebody cuts me off or something happens and I respond in a way that I never would want someone else to respond in a way that I hate. And I think, why did I just do that? Spiritually, I was in a good place and I still responded this way. I don't get it. I mean, right, guys? Been there, done that, and more than we would like to admit. But this is exactly why God gave us the law. Guys, when God gave the law, he knew we were going to fail trying to keep it. It wasn't about our ability to keep the law. We weren't going to be able to do that. He gave us the law so that we could see our need for salvation, so that we could see that we were sinners and that we were epic failures, right? And he said, listen, I'm going to show you your error. I'm going to give you the law and you're going to see this. You need someone to come in and fix this problem because you can't do it. And that person was Jesus. But too often we allow the sins from within us to determine our actions. Romans 7, 18 says this, for I know that nothing good dwells in me. Can you imagine that statement? For I know nothing good dwells in me. I mean, we know that James talks about the fiery tongue, right? The tongue is a fire that's set on fire from the pits of hell. And it's like, dude, we're in trouble. That tongue can't be tamed. He says, you've tried, men have tried, but you can't do it. And Paul is saying, for I know that nothing good dwells in me. Guys, when we look in the mirror, it's funny. We can look at ourselves and say, boy, I look pretty good. You know, arms, muscles good, face good, hair good, smell good. And we, we can look at all that stuff and think, man, we got it going on. But Paul, in his transparency, I mean, guys, let me just say this. If Paul is saying this about himself, about himself, what hope do I have? If Paul says, for I know that nothing good dwells in me, you might as well put me in that list. Because if Paul's got that problem, I've really got that problem. And then he says this. He says, that is in my flesh. Flesh is the problem. Our flesh is the problem. And he says, I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. Guys, that doesn't sound like a good situation, does it? Nothing good dwells in me. I have a desire to do the right thing, but I don't have the ability to carry it out. Now, there are some of you guys that you hear that and you're like, sweet, I got an excuse. Guys, this is not an excuse that Paul is giving us. He's saying you have a problem and something needs to be done about that problem, but there's nothing good that's going to come from you because you're flesh. Jesus tells us that the flesh is weak. The flesh makes us incapable of doing what is right because why? It is sinful. 
And here's what we think, men. If I just try harder, I won't say the wrong things. I won't watch the wrong things. I won't do the wrong things. I won't tell those inappropriate jokes when I'm out with the boys. I mean, we convince ourselves that we can try harder. Guys, that's not the answer. I'm telling you, there has been sin in my life before. And I think, come on, Sean, you got this. Just try a little harder. Do you know where it always ends up? Right back in the same place. With struggle. With sinfulness. And I think, man, why did I say that? I knew it was wrong. I thought if I worked on it, I would be able to be successful, but no. And then in verse 19 and 20 of chapter seven of Romans, it says, for I do not do the good I want. I want to do good, but I do not do it. But the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now, guys, we all hear Paul say that in verse 19, and we say, exactly, that's where I am. And so, men, if you're listening to this and you think that's exactly my problem, Paul, I'm right there with you. I feel that same thing. I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want to do is what I keep on doing and keep on doing. Even when I make a commitment not to do it, I still do it. And then he says in verse 20, now, if I do what I do not want, It is no longer I who do it, now listen, but sin that dwells within me. That sin that dwells within you is the flesh. And what happens is your natural instinct is sinfulness because that's what you were born into, sin. Men, we have a sin problem and we are incapable of fixing it on our own. As a dad, I always wanna be able to fix my kids' problems. When it comes to sin, I can't even fix my own problems, let alone help someone else fix their problems. But guys, Paul's not done yet. In chapter seven, verses 22 to 23, he says, for I delight in the law of God, in my inner being, But I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind. In my mind, I want to follow God's law. I want to be obedient to God's word. I want to do the right thing. I want to say the right thing. I want to watch the right thing. But the problem is my members, another law is waging war. And it's making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Your mind is saying, I want to do this right, but everything else about you is fighting you. It's a battle. I want to do this right, but I'm fighting against myself. And guys, I just want to say this. When when Paul is saying this, he gives you the feeling of being ready to tap out, right? Maybe you are in that same place that you have tried and tried to do things the right way and you fail and you get to this place. Why try, right? You get there and you say, why try? Do you know what that's called? Tapping out. You see in a UFC fight, if a guy's getting choked out, he's got a decision. Do I get out of this? Do I let him just choke me out and pass out or do I tap out? There are some men that refuse to tap out and they are willing to be choked out to where they can't breathe and they just pass out. They black out. 
because they weren't willing to tap out. I'm just going to say this to you, men. We need men that are not willing to tap out. Wives need husbands that are not willing to tap out. Children need fathers who are not willing to tap out. Churches need pastors, need men who are not willing to tap out. Romans 7.24 says this, Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? That is the statement of, I don't know how to get out of this. This submission hold that is around my neck, I don't know how to get out. I'm losing the battle. I'm not going to make it to the end of the round. He's getting choked out by the sinfulness of his flesh. Guys, I would say, have you ever felt like that? But come on. The, the question would probably be, do you feel like that every day of your life? Where it's just a struggle. Now, I hope you don't feel like that every day of your life, but it's possible. I mean, every day Paul got up, he had to say, God, I know this battle between my flesh and my mind is real. Help my mind to win, that, win out more than my flesh. But we all get to that place where we think that. But just when the referee is getting ready to call the fight, just when, I mean, guys, so I was a big time wrestling fan and uh, I loved Hulk Hogan. Listen, I'm not saying as a person, as a wrestler, I loved Hulk Hogan. And there was this thing that Hulk Hogan would always do, right? They would make it look like he was going to lose the battle. And you guys know that I've watched old wrestling. I, I don't think it's like that now probably, but they would pick up his arm and it would fall to the ground. And the ref would be looking like, uh-oh, he's going out. And then they'd pick up his arm and he would fall to the ground again. And then we're like, you know, as a little kid, I'm watching, I'm like, no, Hulk, you can't lose. No, Hulk. And they pick up his hand the third time. And as they drop it to the ground, it stops before it hits. And he gets that shaking of the head and of the body. And all of a sudden he's raising up his hand. And, and all of a sudden, like, he'll point to the sky. And you're like, Hulk is alive. Hulk Hogan's going to win the battle. And all of a sudden, there's this celebration time, right? Right before the, the referee is going to tap him out, he lifts up his hand. Guys, right now, Paul is ready to tap out because he's like, why is it that I want to do the right thing? I try to do the right thing and everything goes wrong. But in verse 25, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord exclamation mark. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh, I serve the law of sin. It says, thank God that I am able to serve God, to be obedient to God, to follow God with my mind. Even though it's a battle with the flesh, what he is saying is this, Thank God that you sent Jesus into the battle. Thank God that you sent Jesus down to enter the battle to do what I could not do. To do what, even if I tried harder, I could not do. And he says, my mind is focused on him, but my flesh is still a problem. And then in chapter 8, verses 1 and 2, it says, There is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus 
Guys, that means no matter how much you fail, no matter how much the flesh wins out, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. It doesn't mean we give up and we keep sinning knowing that, hey, Jesus paid the price. He's enough. And then it goes on and says, for the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. You weren't good enough to win the battle. You were and would have tapped out. That's what was going to happen. You were going to surrender to sin. You were going to tap out, but God sent Jesus. And in that last moment, when it was, you were going to tap out, God sent Jesus in and Jesus said, I got this one. He said, you're going to still have that struggle with the flesh, but know this, my grace is sufficient. My grace is sufficient and your victory men can only come through Jesus Christ. He sets us free from death. In verses three and four, it says, for God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. And for sin, he condemns sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh but according to the spirit. Trying harder doesn't do it, men. We were condemned by the law. We couldn't fulfill the law. The flesh was too powerful, but God sent Jesus to pay the price. And that righteous requirement that God had was fulfilled, was taken care of through Jesus Christ. So here's what I want to tell you, men. Don't tap out in the middle of the battle. Don't tap out when things get difficult. God took care of the problem for you. Jesus won the battle for you. And he will continue to do that. In verse 10 of chapter 8, it says this, But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. Not a righteousness that is based on what we've done or who we are, but a righteousness that has been given to us because of who Jesus is. And so men, every day we face the battle between the mind and the flesh. It's a battle that you cannot win on your own. It's a battle that trying harder isn't the answer. It is a battle that only Jesus can win for you. And what happens is this. That, body, that, that battle that was once the mind versus the flesh. When Jesus enters the picture, it becomes the spirit. And the spirit has victory over the flesh. I mean, guys, that's amazing, right? To think about the fact that we were ready to tap out. And maybe today you do not know Jesus as your savior and life is falling apart around you. And you don't know what to do. Guys, don't tap out. Just know where your victory is going to come from. Not from trying harder. 
but from turning to Jesus and saying this, I can't do it and surrender it to him. And let me tell you what, surrendering it to Jesus, men, is not weakness. Surrendering it to Jesus is strength. And God will come in, his spirit will come in, and they will change the game. Men, it's that time. Men, it is time to man up. Guys, have a great day, and we are so glad that you have chosen to be part of the Time to Man Up podcast today. Uh, You just make sure this. Stop skipping stones and begin to throw some boulders. Have a good one, guys.